Good morning, Fellowship Benville. Can we stand together? I'd love to invite you to just go ahead and move toward the center of your section just a little bit as we have some more people trickle in to the service. And let's begin to set our hearts and our minds on Jesus. So begin to quiet your heart and your mind and just focus it on the Lord and say, God, I'm here. I'm here to worship you. I'm here to be ministered to by you, by your spirit, and pour out my praise. God, thank you for your presence with us. Would you work among us, we ask in Jesus' name. give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord. Sing it out. praise of the Lord and let every creature praise his holy name does that leave anyone out I don't think it does that's all of us come on let's sing it let's give him praise this morning
right, you can have a seat. Well, good morning. Hey, if you could, if you could scooch to the middle, it looks like we got some, uh, some people still coming in. So, good morning. My name is Abel, and I'm on the community team, which is our adult small groups team, and this is my wife, Sarah. Good morning. Uh, we're glad to be with you all together. Hey, who rode a bicycle today? Any bicycle riders? Yes, yes. Hey, I highly recommend that. Um, I think that's a great idea. I think you can probably get here quicker on a bike from southern Missouri than an automobile um, in Bentonville. So walk, ride a go-kart, whatever you have. Just, yeah, maybe sidewalk. Great way. Um, Great to be together. And to all the ladies in the room, I did want to pass on this little bit of information. Last week, I was fully dressed for church in my wedges, these shoes right here, because I wanted to wear them so y'all could see and be so impressed by me, I rode a bike in my wedges last week. Mm-hmm. So it's possible. I don't know if I'd recommend it, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. And to the guys, a wedge is a shoe, so that's helpful. <laughs> so that's very helpful. Um, if you are new with us, welcome. We are so glad you're here. We'd love to help you get connected. You can text hashtag new to the number on the screen, or better yet, after the service, Go to the community booth. It's the booth right out these doors. Has a big word community over it. And uh, visit with somebody. They'd love to help you get connected. Can you guys believe that next week is Easter? That that is already here? I can't even believe it. Um, we have four service opportunities next week. We have three here on campus. One at 7.30, one at 9, and one at 10.30. And then we have another service over at Orchards Park at 10.30. Um, Bring your chairs over to Orchards Park. There's no chairs available for you over there. Here we will not have any children's services, so our kiddos will be with us in service, so we will get to worship together as a family. Mm -hmm. The 1030 service at Orchards is geared toward family, so if you want to do that, um, that would be oriented toward, toward families. Hey, two weeks after Easter, we have our annual men's retreat. This will be our seventh men's retreat for our Bentonville community, April 29th and 30th, out, out at New Life Ranch, and uh, great opportunity for fathers and sons. So dads, if your son is over 16 years old, bring him. Sons, if your dad's over 16, bring him. <laughs> and um, it will have a great time together. We'll get to uh, just build relationships, grow in our walk with the Lord, and have a, a good time together as men. Um, if you're like me and don't like to pay full price for anything, you should register today. Today is the last day for our early bird pricing, uh, 80 bucks today. After today, it's 90 bucks. So save yourself $10, register today. Today we're jumping back into the John series that we started over in Rogers. Uh, Fellowship has put together a study, um, some study material right here. Thank you, Vanna. Um, And so if you are interested in purchasing this, this is at the West booth in the foyer. So the booth on this side of the building, you can pick that up there. Mm -hmm. If you were here last week, you saw my friend Phil Brown get baptized at the end of service. And uh, baptism is such a wonderful way to celebrate what we're all about here at Fellowship. And that's life change. When God's God's word and God's spirit intersects with our life, we see lives change. And that's what we want to celebrate in baptism. If If you're interested in being baptized, reach out to one of the ministry staff. We'd love to help you walk through that process. And uh, Sarah, would you thank the Lord for this morning? Absolutely. Father, we're grateful 
Our hearts are so grateful, Lord, as we sit in this room and remember all that you've done to get us to this point to have services here. God, we're grateful. Father, as we remember this week, Father, as we celebrate Palm Sunday today and remember the immense sacrifice that you gave us through your son so that we could have salvation. Lord, we are grateful. Father, help us to remember all week. Father, help us to reflect on what you've done and the sacrifice you've made. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. out together. Love the Lord. Good. 
pray together this prayer over our offering as our ushers come forward to take offering this morning. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we could give could match your great gifts to us, your Son and your Spirit.
mountains shake before him, the demons run and free. At the mention of the name, King of Majesty. You may be seated. I have a note for you from the nine o'clock service. It's a little apology. We are so sorry, 1030 service, 
that we lollygagged in the foyer last week and you weren't able to find a parking spot. We pledge from this day forward to ride our bikes, walk, do whatever it takes so that you can get here and start the service on time. Thank you for understanding. Our hearts are broken. <laughs> a good problem to have, huh? Yeah, we ought to be thanking God. I tell people often in Discover, if you leave fellowship, don't do it because of inconvenience. You know, can you imagine the apostles on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were added to the church? If they'd been walking home saying, you know, we liked it when there were just 12 of us. <laughs> All this growth. You know, no, God is good. God is good. And I will tell you a story. The Rogers service last week, they, they expected a big exodus, but no. Their services felt full as well. And so we are indeed blessed. And we thank God for that. It's great to see all you today. As I woke up this morning, got a notification on my phone. I thought, what is this? And it was for the devotional that starts today on this Palm Sunday when Jesus rode over the Mount of Olives and into Jerusalem and his ministry would be the last week of his life. And so I, I encourage you, if you don't have those devotionals, if you don't receive them, sign up for them. They'll come every day. We never use your email for any other reason if you sign up for a devotional, okay? So don't worry about that. Uh, but uh, this is a special, special week. I also will tell you that uh, Russell Dorch and I got together last year and we did a Harmony of the Gospels of Jesus last week on earth. And uh, you can get the Ride Home podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify but uh, we tell the story of Jesus last week on earth uh, in chronological order, and uh, Russell orchestrated it, and uh, you could use that for your quiet times this week as well. But this, let's make it really, really special that we spend time with the Lord as we prepare to celebrate Easter. And this morning, we'll also prepare to celebrate communion together on this Palm Sunday. We are in the middle of our study of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door or the gate. I'm the good shepherd. We're going to cover those two today. The door, the gate, the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the true vine. It's going to be a very special study for us, and, and I hope you're getting into it. But have you ever wondered, as we talk about the Good Shepherd today, why we're so often compared to sheep in the Scriptures? Why? Yeah, I knew you'd say because they're dumb. <laughs> I thought the same thing. And so as I was preparing for this message, I went on the World Wide Web, and in the search engine, I typed in dumb things sheep do. Just... Why did they get that reputation? And this is what I came up with. One writer said, contrary to what you may have heard or expressed yourself, the sheep are not dumb. Okay? And then he said, they rank just below the pig. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I had never really put the pig that high on my list in the intelligent quotient. But that's what this person said. And, and I had somebody come up and tell me, no, the, the, the pig is really a pretty smart animal. I said, okay. And then I remembered Arnold the pig from Green Acres. 
You can, you can Google it, YouTube it, and, and find out. You know, he could talk to Fred and Doris, and they talked to him. He understood. So there's the evidence right there. The younger ones are saying, Green Acres? What? But they go on to say that they're incredibly easy to frighten. Incredibly easy to frighten. They, they run and they group together whenever they're, they're frightened. They have no natural defenses. Anybody ever heard of a sheep biting somebody? No, they don't, they don't have any natural defenses. Uh, they have 360 degree division, uh, vision. Look at those pupils. They're rectangular pupils. They can see all around them, but they can't see very well. So that may be the reason they get frightened so easily. They can see everything, but they don't know what's coming. They imitate their leader. That's us. That's us. How many times did I hear my mother say, if Johnny jumped off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge too? I've heard if you put up a rope across the entrance to the sheep pen, if you put up a rope and the lead sheep jumps over it, then all the other sheep will jump too, even if you drop the rope. But they'll just all jump because the one in front of them did. I heard of one group of sheep, uh, the lead sheep went over a cliff and all the other, the whole flock went over the cliff as well. Yeah, that's us. Here's what we need to know about sheep. They need a shepherd. And so do we. And that's why we're so often compared to sheep. And illustrations are given all throughout the scriptures of sheep for us. And it reminds me of this in Isaiah 53. Where Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. And by his wounds, we are healed. We need a shepherd. We need the good shepherd. Sheep are everywhere in Israel. I took this picture on a, a, a tell, a tell is just a hill where a city used to be. With this, this is Beit Shemesh. And we were on top of the hill there in Beit Shemesh. And, and uh, this Bedouin shepherd made his way on top of the hill. And all of a sudden, here his sheep come behind him. You see, Near Eastern shepherds will lead their sheep. They lead them. In other parts of the world, they will drive them. But this fellow was guiding his sheep to greener pastures. And, and those sheep came all around us. It was just really, really neat. And just a little aside, that valley behind there is really important. If you were to go to the right a little bit, uh, is Zohar, where Samson was born. And if you go on down that valley, the Sorek Valley there to the other end, is Timnah, where Samson went to find a woman. And there's also the valley where the people of Beit Shemesh were working out in this very field and they looked up and they saw two cows pulling a cart with the Ark of the Covenant on it. You see, the Philistines had stolen it from them, thinking that that would be a good luck charm for their battles. And before it was over, it almost killed all of them. They had tumors all over their body. And they said, we got to get rid of this thing. And they sent it to another town. They said, no, we got to get rid of this thing. And they asked, what should we do? And they said, put it on a cart and put two cows in front that they could use for sacrifice and, and, and just send it that way. And that's where it came, right up that valley to Beit Shemesh. Sheep have the right of way in Israel. I've been on a busload trying to get to a destination with people in Israel, and we totally have to stop 
because there are sheep in the middle of the road. They're very important to the people of Israel. And so that's why we have so many illustrations. Jesus knew all about sheep and shepherds, and so did the people. Now, before we get into the passage, do you have doors on your house? Yeah, you all got doors, right? Back in the 60s, we never locked our doors, right? But we do now. And we have doors on our house to keep the good things in and the bad things out, right? Good things in, bad things out. I got back from Israel just a, a few weeks ago from uh, taking a group uh, over there. And um, I, I was struggling with jet lag. And Denise kept telling me, you're, just, you're leaving the garage door open. You're leaving the garage door open. You're leaving the garage door open. Uh, one night, uh, my sleep pattern was all messed up. And, and I walked into the garage. Sure enough, I'd left the garage door open. And a streak of fear ran through me because... A couple of months earlier, I had to run in with a possum. <laughs> and the possum won. He didn't bite me or anything, but he got trapped. And he was there for several days. And the possum did what possums do. And I had to clean it up. Denise didn't help me at all. <laughs> she just said, nope, you do outside, I do inside. Bye. And she shut the door. <laughs> Good things in, bad things out. Well, I was down on my hands and knees around that garage looking in every corner to see if I could find anything. I didn't have a possum in there. But that's what we do. We have doors on our houses to keep the good things in and the bad things out. Now, here's a sheepfold. I want to show you this. The sheepfold. Uh, I don't know how old this is, but it looks pretty old to me. And that looks like the, the wadis there running beside it where the water would flow uh, on the hillsides, but you'll see at the very bottom of that picture in that sheepfold, that sheep pen, there's an opening. And that's the door. That's the gate. That's the entrance for the sheep. And the shepherd would bring the sheep into this at night, and he would lie down across the entrance so that nothing bad could get in and harm the sheep. And Jesus said, I am the door. Some of your versions will say gate. I am the gate. But it's an entrance. The Greek word is it's an entrance where things come and go. And so that leads us to John chapter 10 and verse 1. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you Pharisees. Now let me give you context. Because some of your versions won't say Pharisees. But most certainly, he was talking to the Pharisees. He'd been talking to the Pharisees for quite some time now. You see, they went to the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which happens toward the beginning of October. The disciples said, let's go to Jerusalem. And Jesus said, you guys go on ahead. And then he came to Jerusalem quietly around the 1st of October. And from that time through John 1039 in your Bible, which would have been the end of December because he said it was the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah. For those three months, he had constant conflict with the Pharisees. Constant. They were looking for a way to get rid of him. You see that in John chapter 9, especially with a man born blind. He had been healed on the Sabbath and they were beside themselves. 
because he had healed on the Sabbath. They kicked the blind man, or the, the man who could see now, the man born blind, they kicked him out of the temple, which meant that he was separated from God. So he says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen, as you saw a minute ago, by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief, one who steals in secret, and a robber, one who uses violence. He's describing how the Pharisees were keeping the Jewish people from participating in God's plan of redemption. They did not recognize him as the Messiah. They were false shepherds who were leading the people of Israel away from the Messiah. They were self-appointed and self-righteous religious leaders. They kept their thumb on the people. They didn't care about them. They just wanted them to obey. They had no relationship with them. Very different from Jesus. Verse 2, he says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, the caretaker. Verse 3, he says, The gatekeeper, or the under-shepherd, it could have been John the Baptist in this sense because John the Baptist prepared the way, right? The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own by name. He calls his own by name and leads them out. Do you realize God knows your name? Or maybe I should say internalize the fact that God knows you. We're even told he knows the numbers of hairs on our head. He knows you. He, he never walks into the sheep pen and says, hey, you. That's a joke. The sheep, you. Yeah. Nobody got it. Not even you, Jim Hall. Come on. Come on. At least fake a laugh or something. He never says, hey, you. He knows the sheep by name, and he leads them out to provide for their every need, like we see in Psalm 23. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know him. I read a story about a group of soldiers who went into a, a village. The people weren't paying their taxes, and so they just gathered up all their sheep, took the sheep away from the people, and they put them in a pen. And a widow went to them and said, that's my only source of income. Please let me have my sheep. And there were so many there, they, they sarcastically looked at her and said, well, which one are yours? She looked at her son, and he played a noise that the sheep knew, and they came running to her. They knew the sound. They knew her voice. The sheep know her voice. How do we know the shepherd's voice? How do we know the shepherd's voice? How do we know that we're not being led astray by some other voice? Well, number one, we read the word, and we know the truth of God. Read the word, and then we pray. We talk to God, and then we listen. 
That's a part that we leave out a lot of times. It's just sitting and listening. And then we respond. Read, pray, listen, respond. And if you do that consistently day after day after day after day, you will know the voice of the shepherd. When he calls, you know. You know what his word says is right, wrong, and he would never lead you down a wrong path. Read, pray, listen, and respond. And look at verse 5. He said, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And he was speaking about the religious leaders who cared nothing for the sheep. Verse 8, he said, it says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. His words were so foreign to their way of thinking. You see, all they cared about was their 365 commandments and 248 prohibitions, just like the man born blind. They didn't care that, that, that this guy could see now. They should have been celebrating that. But it's just like Jesus said at the end of chapter 9. He said the blind would see and those who could see, who had access to the scriptures, would become blind. Those are biting words. And then he said something that's really going to upset them. He says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate, the door, the entrance for the sheep. He is the door. And when he said, I am, the Pharisees knew exactly what he was saying. Those are powerful, powerful words. There are other times in the gospel when Jesus casually said, I am doing this or going here. But those are different Greek words. These words are, you have it on the screen, ego eimi. Ego eimi. And to get the context for these verses, we have to go back to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, Look, look at this. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And when you see I am, you'll know it in your Old Testament. It's the word Lord, but it's all caps. And that is Yahweh. Yahweh. The sacred name that God gave to himself that the people would understand. The Jews, it was so sacred to them, uh, their scribes wouldn't even write out his name. They used a tetragrammaton, the Y-H-W-H. It's a sacred name of God. And it's powerful. And when Jesus said, ego eimi, he was saying the same thing. He was relating it back, and they knew exactly what he was saying. And this is what Yahweh, this is what egoimi means. I was, I am today, and I always will be. He is. He is. 
Yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever he is. And when they heard him say those words, on the night of his betrayal, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember the soldiers came to take him away. And Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, ego e me. And what happened to them? They were thrown to the ground. That's how powerful those words are. And so then he says it again. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. You don't have to walk through life wondering. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message. He said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to have more and better life than you could have ever dreamed of, come what may. Does it mean you're not going to have difficult times or issues in your life? No. That's part of our human existence. If we lived like that, we wouldn't need God. But it's relationship with him that makes life fulfilling. And then in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for my sheep. How do we know him? Read, pray, listen, respond. And then look at verse 16. This is incredible. If you haven't marked this verse in your Bible, you need to underline it, put a star beside it, and a yahoo or something like that. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen, this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking about us, the Gentiles. Yay? Yeah. He's talking about us. It wasn't just the Jewish people, the chosen people from the beginning. He said, I've got other sheep out there, the Gentiles, and I'm going to bring them in too. Oh, that should be an exciting verse for us, and especially those who would like to exclude us. But he brought us in as well. The shepherd takes good care. The good shepherd takes good care of his sheep. I want you to look at this image on the screen. Have you ever imagined God holding you like that with his nail-scarred hands? <laughs> so many people have God holding them at arm's distance because of things that they've done or because of where they've been. But no, that's not our God. He holds you here. And I want to keep that image on the screen so that you can just look at it for a while and imagine your face right there next to the face of the master being held by him. It's a moving thought. So I want to ask you this morning, are you a sheep without a shepherd? Do you know the good shepherd? 
You know, there are sometimes it frightens me a little bit when I ask someone if they know Christ and they say, well, I've always known Jesus. It scares me a little bit because I wonder if that is just an intellectual ascent like they would believe in other historical figures. But they've never placed their hope and their trust and their faith in him for eternity. They're not trusting in him for anything. They just believe he existed. James tells us that the demons believe and tremble. The demons believe in him. But there's more than that, of placing our trust, of receiving the free gift of salvation that he offers and saying, Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. It also frightens me when someone says to me, I ask them, do you know Christ as your Savior? They, oh, I was baptized as an infant. Like that took care of things. There's nowhere in the scripture that it tells you that being baptized as an infant takes care of you for all eternity. As a matter of fact, this verse says, Romans 10, 9 and 10, let me read this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. Anybody know an infant who can do that? No. Truly, it frightens me to think that someone is relying on that for their salvation. And, and let me ask you this question. Are you a sheep who has wandered away from the shepherd? Maybe you have accepted Christ in your life and you said, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but then you got off track. Maybe you're a sheep who has wandered away. Remember, he leaves the 90 and 9 and goes after the 1. And if that's you, he's waiting. Arms open wide for you to come home. Robert Robinson, who wrote the great hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, in the last verse, he said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Prone to wander. We all relate to that, don't we? And then I'd just like to ask you how powerful is the voice of the shepherd in your life? Have you been too busy for him? Have you become an expert at blocking him out? Pushing him to the side, putting him on the shelf? If you have, come home. Psalm 23. I love it so well. One sheep looking across the fence says to another, the Lord is my shepherd, my good shepherd. I'll never lack for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures when I need to rest. He leads me beside quiet waters when those streams are running and, and I'm fearful of it. He, he, he dams it up so that I can drink from quiet water. He restores and refreshes my soul. He guides me down the right paths. For his name's sake. So that I will bear his image well to the world. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And then the sheep is no longer looking across the fence. He turns to the shepherd. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. (laughs) You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies while they look on. When I bump my head against the rocks, when I make mistakes, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. How could I ask for more? In light of all this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because you're my shepherd, my good shepherd. And I will follow you all the days of my life. (laughs) If that's the kind of relationship you want with the good shepherd this morning, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me from your heart to the heart of God. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life right now. I believe you died on the cross and rose again for me. I know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive my sin, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I now accept you as my Savior. And I will follow you as my Lord all the days of my life. And I will dwell in your house forever and ever. John 6, 47 reminds us, I tell you the truth. The one who believes in this manner will have eternal life. our ushers would would get ready to begin passing the elements for communion. Um, And just a little note, they are double cupped, and so you'll just take one, and uh, the cracker will be under the juice. And if you'll just hold it, we're going to have a little time of prayer meditation before we take together, and so we'll lead, and we'll all take it together at the same time. I wanted to just put a little flesh on this idea that the Lord is our shepherd. What does that look like in our everyday life? How do we experience Jesus as our shepherd? I love this quote. Look at that last line. The transformation of the self away from a life of fear and 
insufficiency takes place as we fix our minds upon God as he truly is, as the good shepherd. The focus of our thoughts significantly affects everything else that happens in our life. And it evokes feelings that frame our world and motivate our actions. Let me just share a quick story about this next song. So I was invited to a, a songwriting retreat in this, this past fall, and it was a really neat opportunity. Other uh, songwriters for the church out in Colorado Springs, or not in Colorado Springs, in Colorado, um, at this beautiful ranch. And uh, even on the way out there, you know, just a little bit of, I could feel a little bit of insecurity, a little anxiety growing in me, um, though I, I couldn't name it yet. And uh, as the week went on and, you know, I'm writing with people that you might have heard some of their songs and uh, feeling some insecurity there. And about the middle of the day on Saturday, they came around to all the little groups that were huddled up and just said, hey, if you have a song um, tonight, we're going to share all the songs that are, that are being written. Or if you didn't even write one this time, you can, you can share something that you've written in the past. And so uh, in that moment, uh, I could feel it and I could name it oh man, there's some insecurity, there's some anxiousness in me. And what I ended up doing is just getting up and walking out and walking down this beautiful road, which I wish I would have took it, taken a picture of the actual road, but you can see some of the sights that I saw along the way there. Um, and I'm walking down the road, and for that month of October, my, one of my spiritual practices was to just pray Psalm 23. And so I just got out of there and I just went for a walk in this really beautiful place and I started praying Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd. I have nothing to fear. He's with me. Lord, will you restore my soul? And by the time I got back from that walk, God had settled me so much that I walked in with the fruit of the Spirit, with peace and joy and present to the people in front of me rather than in my own head about my own insecurities or anxieties and was actually used by God to just minister to some other songwriters. And so what a blessing to experience that spiritual practice and experience Jesus as my shepherd in that moment. It was beautiful and it will be a marker for me because as I was praying, I began to kind of sing a little uh, a little melody and I wrote this really simple devotional song, which I didn't even share that week, um, but it's really just a simple song for myself. But I wanted to share it with you this morning just as an opportunity for you to get a little peek in to what it might be like to just experience Jesus as shepherd. So let me play this song for you. And Psalm 23 will be coming up, and I just encourage you, just meditate on it and ask Jesus to be shepherd to you in your place of need. You know where that is. So just invite him to be shepherd there.
As you continue to hold the elements, I want to shift us just a little bit in our thinking. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But Jesus did more than just die to protect us like a good shepherd would. He did more than just than die just to defend us from those who would attack us and hurt us. Because a good shepherd would do that. Jesus is the good shepherd. In fact, I would even say he's the great shepherd. And what made him the great shepherd is something that John the Baptist saw all the way back in John chapter 1 when he saw Jesus and he said, Look, that's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You see, the good shepherd became the sacrificial lamb. That's why we're holding these elements now, to remind us of the sacrifice that our good shepherd made when he became our sacrificial lamb. So in this next song, as you're holding these elements, you're feeling them in your hands, I want you to ask the Lord, speak to you. What does that mean for your heart, for your soul?
join with us and sing this verse? See from his hands, his hands, his feet. So So would you stand with me, please? Scripture tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat it, remember me. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood that is shed for the covering of yours and many people's sins. When you drink it, remember me. As we leave, just want to remind you about the Holy Week devotions. Take some time this week to just spend some time in this last week of Jesus' life leading up to the cross, leading up to Resurrection Sunday. Also on Good Friday, our student center will be open from 3 to 7. If you want to come by, just some time for prayer, meditation, uh, communion will be available there as well. And as always, if you need prayer, we have a team who would love to pray with you and pray for you. Fellowship, God bless you. You're dismissed.